It's the weekly youth radio youth show on KUNM Youth Radio. Yay! I'm the host. Me too, I'm the host. Yay! Today we are going to tell you all kinds of things over the frequency modulated electromagnetic radio waves, which are going to make you have the very smart. Yay! I love to have smart. If you are so smart, then what are you going to tell me that is the segments we are going to broadcast on top of the electromagnetic radio waves? We have the Kyle's Conspiracy Corner segment for one. And? And we have also an interview with Dr. Lori Rudolph. She is back from Palestine and... Welcome to tonight's music for this show. I am your music host for this week, Jaren Kai. I will be bringing you a few very good songs and some songs you might not have heard and just some music in general. First off, the Yeah Yeah Yeahs return with a more polished sound than their last release, Fever to Tell, with the album Show Your Bones, a more personal and emotional look at lead singer Karano's life. Here's the Yeah Yeah Yeahs with Gold Line. Gold line's gonna tell me where the light is Gold line's gonna tell me where the light is Take our hands out of control Take our hands out of control That was the Dandy Warhols with Not of You Are the Last Junkie on Earth. And before that was the Yeah Yeah Yeahs with Gold Lion. Now back to tonight's lovely host. And now it is the time to air the first segment. Of knowledgeable information with which the heirs will be pregnant. An interview with the estimable Laurie Rudolph. A dessert dish which I truly enjoy is a strudel. Listen and for crimes yet to come build an alibi. She's just come back from the state of Palestine. I'm Michael Harley from KNM Youth Radio, and I'm here with Lori Rudolph. And we're going to talk a little bit about the issues going on in the Middle East, as well as the grassroots organization IBDA. So um, thank you for coming, Lori. Thank you, Michael. So to start things off, can you give us a quick summary of yourself, interests, hobbies, your job, anything else you'd like to add about that? Well, uh, professionally, I am, or an instructor rather, at uh, New Mexico Highlands University, and I teach uh, mental health counseling courses at a graduate level. And I am also a research associate with uh, women's studies at the University of New Mexico, as well as an adjunct professor. And I'm a clinician, so I do mental health counseling with uh, youth in particular who are in therapeutic treatment foster care right now. And I know you wanted to talk about the economic kind of crisis that's currently going on Mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. 
So if you'd like to speak about that. Uh, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, um, since the elections that, which took place in the Occupy Palestinian territories this past January, and even though uh, the new government was democratically elected because the government is not of the U.S. liking and of the liking of many other countries, uh, the Palestinian people are now being punished for exercising their democratic rights. So what is happening now is that there have been drastic cutbacks in their funding. The Israeli government as well uh, is withholding tax money paid by the Palestinians so that it's virtually crippling their economy, so much so that many uh, governmental employees are going without paychecks. What this means overall is that there's going to be deepening poverty. I mean, already 60% uh, of the Palestinian population is unemployed. So I imagine that that figure will surge. That will mean less consumption of quality food. In Gaza, the humanitarian crisis is peaking, so much so that the people are on verge of starvation, are on the verge of starvation because the uh, border crossings are being closed repeatedly so that does not allow any type of importing or exporting of goods. So there is a vast shortage of food. So... Economically, they're very close to witnessing a complete collapse. And for the first time now, they're seeing starvation in Gaza. And I imagine that this will spread to the West Bank, especially if, well, recently the European Union uh, decided that they're no longer going to send funding uh, to uh, the Palestinians. And this all affects the, the youth and the adults and... Yes, of course. This affects uh, all people of all ages. Uh, for college students in particular, this might mean that they will not be able to attend school because they won't have the necessary uh, tuition money to pay for their tuition. Furthermore, because of the um, inability on the part of the Palestinian Authority uh, to pay its public employees, this also extends to professors um, at the governmental universities. So what's being anticipated right now are strikes. And so, of course, that's going to lead to shutting down schools, and therefore students will be unable to attend school, so that will disrupt their learning process. Yeah, it's amazing the things that the youth over here would take for granted the opportunities they have are mm -hmm. right in front of them to yeah. go to school and college and right. there they don't they won't even have that soon. Right. And and you have to also bear in mind that there is um, tremendous restrictions on the freedom of movement because of uh, closures, uh, the numerous checkpoints throughout the West Bank and uh, Gaza Strip the um, inability, therefore, on the part of many people to travel from city to city, village to village. Uh, so there are times when students, while they're en route to school, are unable to because of the checkpoints and maybe they're being turned back by the soldiers, and a lot of this is very arbitrary. 
It's amazing the simple things just mm -hmm. they don't have access to anymore. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you recently visited the Palestine refugee camps in um, Dehesha? Dehesha? Yeah, Dehesha is a refugee camp right outside of Bethlehem. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so can you tell us, while you were there, what did you observe? What was life like for the refugees that you saw? Okay. Well, let me try to give you a visual picture of the camp. Um, I think it's important to have a visual sense of what the camp looks like to, to get a sense of how that might impact the way one lives there. Um, the recent census now shows that there's 12,000 people that live in the camp. And we're talking about, I think, one square mile. Okay? Wow. So it's a highly dense area. So they're literally living on top of each other, okay? So there's really no open space. And when you think about where do the children go to play, basically they're limited to playing on narrow roads. Uh, there are no playgrounds. There are no parks. Rarely do you find uh, open, grassy spaces where they can play, freely play, freely run around. Um, so there's a lot of intensity because of the density of their living situation and the fact that people are living in such close proximity. So your work in your work, you've witnessed a lot of youth and seen, mm -hmm. seen a lot of youth mm -hmm. in that area. Mm -hmm. And what kind of, what, what experiences <clears throat> have you had with youth when you've met them? When It's mixed. Um, I mean, they're obviously suffering from the dire circumstances that they're living under, and, and, and the circumstances are indeed bleak um, because they are pretty much at the mercy of the occupied forces, um, probably more appropriate to say the Israeli occupied forces, because at any time they know that the Israelis can come into their communities and uh, attack their homes, uh, arrest people, even kill people. I mean, unfortunately, many, many children have witnessed other people being killed or being injured, uh, either by shooting or shelling. So these children grow up quickly, and many of the Palestinian youth that I have spoken with say they never really had a childhood because they had to grow up so quickly. Um, so I see a mixture of feelings. On the one hand, I see an incredible steadfastness on their part, an incredible willfulness uh, and determination. They are committed to their struggle, uh, the struggle for the right of return. Um, yet, on the other hand, there are times when they despair and where they do feel a sense of hopelessness. So it's a mixture, but I think they draw tremendous support and strength from one another because it's a closely knit community. And the family plays a very integral role in their lives. And they're very collective-oriented, unlike how many youth here are much more individualistic in their thinking. So I think they draw tremendous support from that. I know Palestinian youth who now live here who grew up there, and some of them feel lost because they are disconnected from that collective that was always there to support them. And um, I know that kind of bleeds into IBDA itself mm -hmm. and what, what that group's purpose is. And can you kind of define IBDA and what they do? Okay, IBDA means to create something out of nothing. And it's a cultural center uh, that uh, was established 
mm, I think back in 1993. I might be a little off on the years. And it started from the Ibda Dance Troupe, which was recently in Albuquerque, or at least it was in Albuquerque. They were in Albuquerque this past uh, November uh, through uh, a series of cultural exchanges with uh, folks in France. And that gave birth to the idea of forming a cultural center. Um, and since then, it has really blossomed, and it provides a multitude of services. And many of these services are very youth-oriented. For example, they do have a youth radio project. Um, in addition to the dance troupe, they have a wide-scale sports program um, for youth and adults. Uh, they have a computer lab, which is primarily run and operated by youth. Um, they have a drama program, which is youth-oriented. Um, they have a, a woman's uh, cooperative, and they um, make embroidery, um, which is then sold, uh, and the monies go back to support their families. So it's a form of uh, self-sufficiency on their part. Um, they, in addition to that, have the health committee, which is also a part of IBDA. Um, so there are many services and programs that are available, youth leadership training, uh, tr youth, uh, leadership training for women. So the, the focus really is promoting uh, leadership among youth and women in particular. Gender equity is, a very, uh, is central to their mission, overall mission. So that kind of empowerment of their abilities and what they can do. Yeah. Yeah, they have an oral history project, and they really embrace the importance of sharing their history, passing their history down to the next generation. Um, again, that, that seems to play a very critical role in, um, in their purpose, and I think it has proven invaluable for the youth because it helps them to maintain their identity and to foster a sense of pride. Yeah, history is a big mm -hmm. part of one's yeah self. In indeed, yeah. Mm -hmm. So let's see. Um, a few months ago, when when you mentioned that they were the Ibda dance troupe was here in mm -hmm. November, I was lucky enough to do an interview with them. Mm -hmm. And um, have you seen them at all? Encountered them? And what are they? What what have they gone on to do? Well, all of them have returned to their homes, and they pretty much have um, gone back to their uh, normal routines. In the refugee. In the camp, going back to school, continuing with their um, dance troupe performances there, um, practicing um, and just basically living their, their lives that they had been living before they left. So they've still got IBDA to mm -hmm. kind of keep them active and mm -hmm. keep their minds. Yeah, and I think IBDA has proven to be uh, a lifesaver for, for many, many, many of the youth that live in the camp mm -hmm. uh, because they have few other outlets. I mean, there are no recreational centers to speak of within that entire area, and I'm talking about the entire Bethlehem area. So they don't have the kinds of choices that youth have here when it comes to 
what to do with their free time. What can we as Americans, and especially the youth here in America, what can we do to help with the situation in the Middle East? Well, I think one of the most powerful acts of solidarity is to actually go there, go and visit Palestine, put together some type of youth uh, program or project that can be shared with uh, with some of the youth there in Palestine. For instance, we had talked about maybe uh, a joint uh, radio project between um, your program and the radio project at Ibda, which is run by youth. Uh, so uh, I think that would be one way to, one, express solidarity, two, to learn about the situation on the ground and to get involved and engaged while learning about another people. Here in the U.S., there's uh, many, many things that people can do uh, to uh, get involved uh, in this issue in support of Palestinian human rights. Uh, Certainly they can contact me if they want to learn more about the types of projects and activities that the Arab Jewish Peace Alliance uh, is involved with, if this is something that they would like to become a part of. But beyond that, they can also send letters to their congressional delegation, go and visit them, talk to them about their concerns, um, um, sponsor speakers, maybe bring people to their schools who can talk about this issue, form their own uh, youth groups here around uh, Palestine and perhaps start networking with Palestinian youth. Uh, I know that uh, in other parts of the world, some youth began some type of um, exchange via the internet where they started a chat room where they started emailing one another. So I think that would also be uh, a nice point of departure for youth here. I know the uh, access on the internet is very, I know, is very, very appealing to youth mm-hmm. and chat rooms and email. Yeah, probably so, one so of that's the certainly another possibility, and I can certainly facilitate all of the above if, if people would like to contact me. And how would they go about contacting you? Um, well, they can contact me by um, sending me an email, uh, and my email address is L-O-R-I-R, so it's Lori R at unm.edu. So again, it's L-O-R-I-R at unm.edu. And they can also call me at uh, 243-4780. And again, that's 243-4780. And um, I've got to say that it definitely is a very um, enlightening experience to meet these kids from yeah. Palestine and yeah. see really how they have this kind of aura about them mm-hmm. almost, a very yeah. positive. Yeah, they're, they're amazing. I mean, uh, in the midst of these dire circumstances, when things seem so bleak, you find a lot of humor and you find a lot of laughter. And when my spirits are low, they manage to bring my spirits up, right? And, and I'm in a very privileged position because at any time I can return back to the comforts of my life here in this country. So it's amazing, you know. Uh, it almost puts me to shame at times. Uh, but I, I'm just so incredibly 
impressed by, again, their, their determination and their ability to move forward with their lives despite what they're subjected to on a daily basis, which is horrific, uh, and still maintain a deep sense of humanity um, and this ability to welcome people into their communities. It's just, uh, it's mind-blowing. Well, this has been an interview with Lori Rudolph talking about the issues in Palestine and the Middle East and also about IPTA. So thank you very much, Lori. Thank you, Michael. Created by the Beyond Corporation, a fictional corporation out of the Marvel comic book Next Wave, the band Thunderthighs was commissioned to create a theme song for the team Next Wave. Here it is, the theme song for the superhero team Next Wave by the band Thunderthighs. It's like Shakespeare, but with lots more punching. It's like Goethe, but with lots more crushing. Like Titanic, but the boat's still floating. No, it's not. The motherfucking boat is exploding. Next He went away, and you hung around, and bothered me every night. And when I wouldn't go out with you, you said things that weren't very nice. That was the Ravenettes with My Boyfriend's Back off the Stubbs the Zombie soundtrack. Now, I'm going to send it back to our host. Next is Kyle's Conspiracy Corner. Kyle is paranoid and afraid of things which do not exist. No, Kyle is arbiter of truth and knowledge, a beacon of honesty, enlightened to the true workings of America's seamy and poorly groomed underbelly. I am afraid of aged cheeses. We've been doing these conspiracy corners for a while now. My affiliates at Youth Radio joke that all these conspiracies come from the depths of my paranoid mind. While probably not far from the truth, I've started to wonder, am I the only one who thinks that almost everything the government and large corporations do is designed to, in some way, control or influence our lives? I turn to my family members for help in my predicament. I ask them what they thought of when they considered the government and large corporate entities. As it would turn out, there is some justice in the world. I asked my mother about the war on terrorism. She responded with a heated discourse on the workings of greed in our government. Did you know that 15 of the hijackers in the 9-11 terrorist attacks were Saudi Arabian? The other four were from other Middle Eastern countries, but none of them, strangely enough, were Iraqi or Iranian. That one got me. I had heard all sorts of things about how Iraq had been harboring the hijackers prior to coming here. She informed me that Iran is a democracy. Well, I was stimmied at this point because the war on terror, which had made admittedly little sense to me before, was making absolutely none now. One of the purposes of the war on terrorism was to spread democracy to the Middle East, and supposedly Iran was a part of the axis of evil. However, one of our greatest Middle Eastern allies is Saudi Arabia, from which came 15 of the hijackers. It is a dictatorship that harbors one of the largest amounts of terrorists of any country in the world. Further, their stances on equal rights for women and other civil liberties are far behind any other first world country and many other poor ones. 
So why are we focusing on countries such as Iraq or Iran rather than Saudi Arabia? Well, my mother had an answer to this one as well. The Bush family has huge ties to the Saudi royal family, which largely controls the oil industries in the Middle East. Interesting, isn't it? My mother says all the world's problems come down to greed. And this is just the start of my family's plethora of stories and situations. Take my father's views on the way in which we think as Americans. He says that the American education system is designed to dumb us down, that we are encouraged not to think. He thinks that our country is more concerned with whether I should buy that latest pair of shoes or whether I should get the new sports car in blue or red, rather than with important problems regarding ecological deterioration or world poverty. Our society tells us to look purely to our own desires so that we are blind to the decisions made that may not be in the best interest of us or the rest of the world. I've got my B&W, get your own. Or as the Wizard of Oz said, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. I've never spoken with him on this topic before, but it sounds remarkably like my last conspiracy corner regarding ignorance. My mind is starting to look a lot less paranoid. Either that or it's some sort of genetic thing. But we haven't even had a chance yet to consider my grandparents. My grandfather is an aging toothless man who thinks that Alzheimer's is a very good beer. He offered a large variety of conspiracies which I will not go into too much detail about. But here we go then. Osama bin Laden is the love child of Ronald Reagan and Margaret Thatcher. Based on the current state of the country, the Nazis won World War II. To have a school system like it does, America must hate its children. Before he even got into these ideas, he had as defined conspiracy. The definition he came up with was two people breathing together. Passing up this definition, he ended our discussion with the thought that if a conspiracy depresses people, then the goal of a conspiracy must be to depress people into inaction so that they do nothing about the subject of the conspiracy. Now that's an interesting one. Almost makes you wonder whose side I'm on. My grandmother had a little more sanity to offer us. She says that it all started with Kennedy. She says that there is no way that only one person could have assassinated Kennedy and that there is overwhelming medical, forensic, and video evidence to show that there must have been multiple shooters. Because the government insists that there was only one shooter, she has not trusted a word they have said since then. Take, for example, terrorists. She poses the question, where are all these poor people getting these guns, bombs, rockets, etc.? She says the drug trade. She points out that before the Taliban, there was a huge drug trade in Afghanistan, and that with the collapse of the Taliban regime, there is one again. Afghanistan has one exportable crop, heroin, and America has a noted interest in the heroin trade. So the conspiracy for my grandmother is that, in a twisted sort of way, we might be the ones putting the weapons in the arsenals of terrorists. I have offered no conspiracy uh, this entire time, so I will do so now. The ultimate yet simple conspiracy that I see in our lives is the fact that there are conspiracies. I again will offer my abhorrence of the fact that we have allowed the propagation of a society that operates so much in secret dealings and conspires to keep these operations from coming to the knowledge of others. The fact that I can come on air once a month and give you all these conspiracies is a conspiracy itself without equal. So now we can make it official. My paranoia must run in the family. Or does it? Before I go tonight, I want to extend an offer to those youth listening out there. I want you to send me your conspiracies. This program is about all youth, not just the ones who happen to be on it. I'm opening the conspiracy corner to anyone who wants to give their paranoid theories about the world. 
Please send any ideas you have with plenty of detail and evidence to youthradio at KUNM.org. I'll use the ideas you send me for the conspiracy corners in the upcoming months. I'll be checking, so don't disappoint me. This is Kyle Ferris for Youth Radio, 89.9 KUNM. This is the closing song to the popular hip-hop samurai anime, Samurai Champloo. Here is Japanese hip-hop artist Minimi singing Shikai no Yuta, or Song of the Season. What is the real cause of racial division in Albuquerque? I don't know, but I think it is economically based. Can we solve it with streamers and bake sale? Violent armed revolution is inevitable. Let's hear some other points of view from Graciela Lopez and Janice Kovic while they respond to interview questions read by Mina Lee. I'm Janice Kovic. I'm a senior at Highland High School, and I'm the president of the BSU, Black Student Union. My name is Graciela Lopez, and I'm a senior also at Highland High School, and I'm the president of Highland Students Against Sweatshops as well as Key Club. So please tell us about the event and its purpose. Well, it's an annual event, and usually it's called Spring Fling. And this year, it's Spring Fling again. However, we're going to um, make the theme be unity in the community. And it's student-run, student-led, um, and um, it's a great event. There's going to be food being served. There's going to be a bunch of performances, dancers, and a, a fair trade fashion show, which I'm very excited about. Um, it's also going to be... Um guest speakers, African dancers, and it's basically an opportunity for all the organizations at our school to share with the community their talents, their trends, their hobbies, as far as cooking and dancing and all that is concerned. And it's just a chance for everybody to see what all the clubs are about at once. Why is this year's Spring Fling different than last year and the years before that? Well, a lot of the students were very enraged and upset about the negative media that was pointed at Highland High School, and we wanted to show the public that we do embrace each other as a school, that we really do, um, you know, embrace each other's cultures and get along very well. Of course, there are those students who don't, but a majority of the students really do, and so we wanted to show to demonstrate that and also demonstrate our cultures and get across. And me and Janice have been working on um, strategies to overcome racism in general, and we thought that this was a perfect idea and a perfect way to do that. So a perfect way for our peers to see us, you know, being of the opposite race, working together. Like, here are these two great leaders bringing one, you know, thing together, and that's the unity in the community. For those people who don't know much about what's been happening at Highland, can you explain or inform us about those problems? Well, at the time, what it was looking like was, I guess it was apparently it originated over a gang. It was gang-related between blacks and Mexicans. But before I was informed of all this, I was under the impression that it was, you know, one Mexican, one black kid. And because of that, they took sides. You see what I'm saying? It was, oh, well, because so-and-so doesn't like me. It really wasn't a reason. It just got ugly. And it was incidents occurring, people spitting in people's faces, fights, just all kinds of stuff. Unnecessary behavior was occurring. And 
it just got to the point where we didn't feel safe. And it wasn't me not feeling safe for just the black students, but it's for all students because we all have to go there. And so I just felt that administrative was taking it too lightly about the events that were occurring. Do you think that our generation can change the fear of not knowing others? And how does that influence racism? People like Graciela and myself are working together because we feel that that's important. That's part of the why I believe that there is racism because it's an ignorance. It's a misunderstanding of one's culture because they don't know. And that's why they can't get along because my methods and customs may be different from hers. But, you know, because she doesn't know me, then she may judge me. You get what I'm saying? And vice versa. So that's why I think it's important that this unity community thing is a chance to get to know all the cultures because you need to know your surroundings because it's not just one race. It's not dominantly, you know, uh, Mexicans, not dominantly white, it's not dominantly black. These are people you're going to interact with, not just in Albuquerque, New Mexico, but throughout the country. This is what America is made up of. And you people, I really stress them to get to know people outside your culture. It's definitely important. It's very important key. And and of course, um, the students are the future of the or the students are the future. And so if me and Janice can have an impact on just say 10, 20, 100 other people, then they'll have maybe an impact on other people and it'll spread. And I think that it does spread and yeah. <laughs> the community involved, it'll impact. Oh, no problem. By getting the community involved, it'll also impact the community. And once they see how big of a turnout it will be, it'll impact our peers. It'll impact other peers from other schools. And you know what I mean? It'll impact the staff and, you know, with the efforts of this, the effort is to make a 360 and to change things because we are the future. We are. We graduate. You know what I mean? This is the future doctors, lawyers, future people who are going to be in the midst of society. And we do need to change that. After Spring Fling ends, how do you plan to continue your work against racism in the school? We're going to continue um, within our organizations throughout our school. I'm hoping to have uh, one more assembly, a couple more before the end of the school year is over because uh, seniors, we're done the 10th and 11th, but I hope to come back and train the underclassmen within my um, organization and hopefully Graciela's doing the same within hers. I'm sure she is. And just to instill them and to, you know, let them know that it, you can work together and this can be an ongoing thing. Don't let it stop because we're gone. Like, keep it going. Be the next leaders. Keep a positive vibe at our school. Is there anything you want the listeners to know? Bueno, es unidad en la comunidad at Highland High School. Um, y es el 19 de abril y empieza, empieza a las 12 y media de la tarde. For everybody, it's April 19th. It'll start at 12.18, which is our lunch, and it'll end at about 12.55. And it's not over. It'll start back up again at 2.25 until 7 p.m. So come out and join us. The video game series Kingdom Hearts uses Disney and Final Fantasy characters to tell an interesting and emotional story of a boy named Sora and his journey to find King Mickey and his two best friends. This is the theme song to Kingdom Hearts 2, Sanctuary, by none other than Japanese pop star Yutada.
guys, and welcome to this week's calendar. I'm Tracy Tram. On Saturday, April 22nd, there's going to be a poetry slam at Grant Middle School, featuring poets from Ernie Pyle, Grant, Harrison, Jefferson, Madison, Taft, Taylor, and Van Buren Middle School. This event starts at 6, but hurry, you can get there early because doors open at 5. Gorilla Tango Theater presents Captain Hook. This story is the legendary tale of Peter Pan and Neverland told from the point of view of everybody's favorite pirate, Captain Hook. You'll learn what really happens. Everyone will be there from Wendy to Tinkerbell to Smee to the Lost Boys to the Crocodile. You won't want to miss it. Shows at 7 p.m. will be on Friday, April 21st and Saturday, April 22nd. And the last show, showing at 2 p.m., will be on April 23rd. For more information on this event, please visit www.gorillatango.com or call 245-8600. On June 21st at the launch pad, the Epoxies, Phenomenons, Teenage Bottle Rocket, and Romeo Goes to Hell will be performing. Doors will open at 7 p.m. To get advanced tickets, please visit www.virtuous.com. Have you ever wanted to learn to be a DJ at a local radio station? If so, every Wednesday at 5.30, you can learn to be a local DJ and engineer at KSFR 90.7 FM, located at the Santa Fe Community College with Taryn Lovewave. Radio shows air at the first and third Wednesday of every month from 8 to 10 p.m. And best of all, it's free. For more information, please call 505-989-4423. Again, that number is 505-989-4423. Hey, you budding actress or actor, we've got just the right thing for you. Audition calls for Despians ages 15 to 21. It's an original time travel comedy written by Robert Knott and Winston Shaw. The duo who brought you the hilarious Much Ado About Sleuthing last summer at Warehouse 21. You can audition on Thursday, April 27th from 7 to 9 p.m. Or if you suddenly caught a cold and can't make it, there's another opportunity on Thursday, May 4th from 6 to 9 p.m. For more information and to make an appointment, please call 989-4423. On April 21st and April 22nd, gay youth will gather in Santa Fe for the second annual All Colors Youth Summit. The summit is for gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, and questioning youth from gay-straight alliances across north-central New Mexico. If interested, there is still time to register by calling 505-983-6158, extension 33. Or you can visit their website at www.nmgsa.org. On Wednesday, April 19th, the mega hipsters from Highland High School are having their annual spring fling with a twist. This year's theme is unity in the community, and everyone is invited. Join the Hornets at the Highland High School Courtyard, 4700 Cole Southeast, from 2.30 to 7 p.m. For more information, please contact 628-5626. And that looks like the end of our calendar. I'm Tracy Tram. Now back to your host. Thanks for tuning into Youth Radio this week. Yes, and thank you. And now our show has come to its end. This is the time when we apply recognition to those members of society who are the KUNM Youth Radio Collective and produce the radio show. Our producer was Paolo Castillo. 
Our wonderful music director was Darren Kai. Calendar by Tracy Tram. And Kyle's Conspiracy Corner was done by Kyle Ferris. The Lori Rudolph interview was with Michael Harley. The Unity interview was done by Mina Lee. Other KUNM Youth Radio Collective members are Lucia Martinez, Mars Chalan, Philip Riley, Shatane Tuck, and Avikra Lucky. Our wonderful adult co-conspirators were Roberta Rayel, Marcos Martinez, Danielle Contral, Steve Emmons, and Otiamba Umi. Stay tuned for the Spoken Word Hour coming up next.